Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing is brought to you by Influential, a strategic consultancy that takes the guesswork out of influencer marketing for your brand. We provide much-needed strategically crafted frameworks on how to implement influencer campaigns specific to your brand needs. Welcome to another episode of Coffee Conversations about Influencer Marketing. This is our last episode for 2020, and I would like to thank each and every one of you for listening and supporting the podcast throughout this year. I hope that all of you take some time to rest this December and is ready for a great 2021. The podcast will be back in February of next year. In today's episode, we chat to Hazel Chimhandamba, Executive Head of Marketing at Salsi, about the value and power of connecting with customers in an authentic way. Hazel is a seasoned marketing executive leader with over 16 years of brand marketing experience in South Africa, as well as the rest of the African continent. Before listening to today's episode, please remember to share it if you like what you hear. Without further ado, here's today's episode. Good morning, Hazel. Thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners, just to get a bit of a feel for yourself, please tell us more about who you are and what a typical day looks like for an executive head of a big telco like Salsi. Well, hello, Anne, and hello to all the listeners out there. Wow, I can't believe we're already in Q4 2020. Um, as the executive head of marketing at Salsi, I've been there now since March 2019, so almost two years. I'm going for my second year now. There is no day that is mundane um, in the South Sea environment. Talco, in its nature, is extremely competitive. And um, generally what I do is I manage a portfolio that includes marketing strategy development, segment marketing for both consumer and business segments, uh, overseeing our product suite campaigns, which cover postpaid, prepaid, fiber, and business campaigns. Retail marketing, we've got quite a wide store footprint, as well as the online marketing that goes hand in hand with all of that brand strategy and engagement, media planning, research, digital marketing, regional marketing. Um, this is really just the all-encompassing ecosystem as far as marketing at South Sea is concerned. Oh, my word. Hazel, do you ever sleep? Um, and you know, you and I have exchanged emails at rather odd hours of the night. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, when you love what you do and it's passion driven, it actually isn't a job. Um, I love what I do. And I, I, I really believe that I selected the right career path for myself. And um, that is aligned to my passion point and my personality. Oh, I love that. So Hazel, what are the most common challenges of getting noticed by consumers and just standing out amongst all the other big telcos when it comes from a marketing point of view? Well, the telco category is an extremely competitive environment and consumers are extremely price sensitive and tend to seek value. Therefore, we need to be agile and respond to consumer needs, which is always quite a challenge when you're trying to keep up with industry trends and implement against a plan, but we're also very consumer centric. So have to respond to consumer needs. Um, and that really would be the most challenging piece where you're trying to keep up with all three levers, consumer needs, industry trends, competitor environments. It's, it's, it's qu quite a task trying to juggle all three. 
So this year we've seen that Salsi has kind of ramped up your influencer marketing activity. Um, and I'm assuming that's also um, part of trying to stand out amongst all these other big telcos. And you've had a big push to create awareness of your deals through this channel. Why specifically did you start ramping it up as you did this year particularly? Well, the COVID-19 impact on society required us to shift our approach aggressively in Q1. And we had to adjust the tone of planned campaigns and the delivery of these campaigns to the market. So we generally believe in sincere brand engagement and felt that we needed to connect with the consumers through their own online communities. The micro and nano influencers that were used in Q1 really helped us engage our target market in a very authentic manner and helped us to stand out from the clutter because all brands were jumping onto the digital platforms and trying to engage um, consumers on digital platforms. But it was almost in a very haphazard kind of manner. But we'd already started to explore utilizing influencers for our campaigns pre the COVID-19 frenzy. So we were a little bit, we were well geared and well placed to run a um, an influencer campaign in Q1. And, you know, it's, it was really all about becoming more of a digital enabler um, of people in need beyond business as usual. So when COVID-19 restrictions kicked in and, um, you know, there was in March, we were we were already on that journey, but we simply accelerated our efforts and were able to ride the wave when it hit. Um, I mean, if I look at some of the cancer research that we were exposed to, where they said 31% of the South African consumers that they interviewed believes that the brand's main focus should be practical and realistic and try to help consumers in their everyday life during that lockdown period. And I really believe that we stood out. Um, it was part of a planned approach, which happened to work um, in the brand's favor because of how we had approached it. Yeah, speaking about that campaign that you guys ran kind of early in the pandemic when lockdown kind of hit, we saw that you use these influences to make it easier for customers to connect with loved ones um, by kind of promoting your, your big deals for that, just because people were separated from them. So you kind of played onto that um, and kind of humanized Salsi, being like, we're all in this together. Um, so what really was that tone of that campaign? So, I mean, we launched a campaign in March and we'd been working on launching a series of value-loaded data propositions which we were able to actually launch six days before lockdown. And this included the all-in-one bundles with the double data promotion, as well as what we call the 50 gig for 500 rand offer, which we launched in that same period. Now, you know, our tone was empathetic. It was authentic. And our aim was really just to drive resonance with the consumers and acknowledging the space that we both found ourselves in, you know, that we found ourselves in as a nation. Brands were in that space, consumers were in that space, the country was in that space. And the narrative was all about staying safe, staying connected and being informed. Um, we're in this era of shared humanity. And just, you know, speaking about the empathy, the authenticity that's required goes back to my point around, you know, just, brands needing to be a digital enabler of people. And then, you know, one of the reports, again, that we received from GFK, who happened to be our research partners, um, proved that 
there were what 40 we, South Africa sold 40 percent more routers in that in the 13th week of lockdown now you know routers are of course used for data connectivity and that's what we provide um you know gaming consoles sales of gaming consoles increased by 134 percent gaming devices went up by 35 percent now we are the enabler that provides the data behind these devices um desktop computers went up by 93 percent from a sales perspective so there was lots of demand for data consumption by consumers and were able to respond in a very empathetic, authentic manner. Do you think um, playing into that empathetic, authentic space, is that why you used more of the nano and micro influencers instead of your big celebrity influencers at the time? Definitely. And that did influence our decision making. Um, I mean, statistics do show that nano influencers and micro influencers are better received to be more authentic and less commercial. Therefore, there's a high chance of um, the consumers believing um, what these micro and nano influencers have to um, have to say within their online communities. So that was a key deciding factor, in fact, because of the tone that the campaign was trying to achieve. Got you. So what did success really look like for this campaign? In other words, what was your key metrics that you wanted to measure? Well, you know, the objectives really of this campaign, before we even talk about the metrics, um, we were aiming to provide consumers with affordable data during a time when they needed to stay connected to loved ones, remain informed on COVID-19 matters, work and learn from home. That's the new norm. Um, digital connectivity became more of a need um, than a lifestyle nice to have. There was an absolute need for connectivity. And the key metrics that we were, we were, we were gunning for were really around um, awareness of our propositions, brand engagement during that period, where our consumers could feel that we were w walking this journey with them, we were in it together, and conversion on our part, right? We need to shift the bottom line, we need to shift the needle. So um, awareness, engagement, and conversion with the three key metrics that we pinned down. And was it a success? Actually, yes, it was because we hit those targets. That's wonderful. It just shows again, if you have a campaign that resonates with your consumers at the time um, and you're putting the right metrics in place, that it can be such a big success. Indeed, indeed. Absolutely. So when we look at branded advertising content um, on social media versus your influence marketing content that you see come out, in your opinion, which does better? I mean, you've now had a chance to compare it at quite a length um, versus your traditional advertising on those channels versus your influence marketing content. Well, it's not really a case of one being better than the other, but more about knowing when to leverage one over the other. I believe that consumers take well to branded ad content, um, especially when it's well curated. But influencers also help to drive very specific behaviours. And I find that they work particularly well on education awareness type of campaigns when brands are trying to explain a societal issue or a process. Um, influencers tend to work very well in that space. I think that's a great point that you raise. We always try to tell people that influencer marketing isn't here to replace anything. They're here to add um, and kind of play alongside all the other kind of marketing tactics that's out there. So that's a great point. Mm. I mean, if you look at a current campaign we're running, 
moment, our summer campaign, um, where the campaign line is change your summer, change your world. Again, we'll be using influencers because they offer the proof points um, that consumers are looking for. And that's really how one leverages this over and above the traditional media um, and digital marketing elements that we might be implementing. No, absolutely. And I think that leads so beautifully into my next question that I wanted to ask you. <laughs> what value do you think influencer marketing, obviously, if it's done correctly, add to brands? Most of you know that Influential is our podcast sponsor. But did you know that my co-host Anne heads up the agency? And that is the first ever boutique agency in South Africa that specializes in developing strategy for influencer marketing. Anne and her team are experts in the field and have spent years warning their skills and knowledge about influencer marketing and at some of the country's biggest PR and media agencies. The moment that you think you might want an influencer campaign, make sure to call or email them first because without strategy, you might not have the outcomes that you would like and are looking for. In addition to talking all things influence on this podcast, and also puts together the fantastic influential newsletter that comes out every month. And this is another way for you to keep up to date with the industry. The link to latest newsletter is in the show notes. Check it out. And if you like, please subscribe. And contact details are also on there. Let's keep the conversation flowing. So I strongly believe that micro nano influencers can help brands to engage consumers in an authentic manner and to reach an audience who would have otherwise not been interested in branded ad content. Um, that's something I strongly believe in. So do you think having that strategy in place for your influencer campaigns, whether it's standalone or always on, is it so necessary? Or do you think brands can just kind of willy-nilly slot in their influencers wherever? Oh, well, brands have got to be deliberate when it comes to influencer campaigns. Um, like all other traditional and digital marketing campaigns, one requires a strategy. And it's always necessary for an influencer campaign to be underpinned by a very strong strategy. The plan can always be tweaked to respond to market trends and competitor activity, but the path must be very clear from the onset. So a strategy is an absolutely critical element of influencer campaign formulation. How far we have come. I feel like about five years ago, people would have been like, no, influencers is just there to kind of send things to when a campaign's going on, invite them to events. <laughs> exactly. And now, I think bra you know, brands are being a lot more deliberate and efficient in the utilization of influencers. Absolutely. And I do think that's also because now it's kind of been proven that you can actually measure it. You can, you've proven that, you know, you can infiltrate certain tribes with it if you use the right guys. And there's so much science behind it now than what we had five, six years ago. Mm. So, Hale, can influencer marketing and traditional marketing tactics coexist? And I think we already touched on that and you're a big believer in it as am I. But how do one kind of effectively plan to kind of, for those two tactics to kind of coexist to create a much better holistic campaign that's kind of more 360 and not one-dimensional. So I'd, I'd like to look at influencer marketing as being just another component of digital marketing. Um, and digital marketing, as you know, already coexists beautifully with traditional marketing. So the same way I wouldn't say I'm having a traditional marketing campaign and having a search 
um, SEO search engine optimization campaign um, because SEO is part of a digital marketing ecosystem. So I look at influence marketing holistically within the digital marketing ecosystem and see ways of leveraging that. So whether I've got, you know, influences as part of that campaign or social media, um, a social media digital plan or digital media plan from a digital media, paid media um, perspective. Um, you know, how am I utilizing my website, my blog? So all of those elements have got to come together and influencer marketing forms part of that. Because remember, it also still drives traffic to the website and it also drives your um, call to action. So it really cannot stand alone, but it's part of a bigger digital marketing campaign ecosystem, which has got to coexist with traditional marketing. And if you look at traditional marketing now, a lot of the call to action results in consumers ending up on, you know, a, a brand's website. So can we really claim traditional marketing as independent of digital marketing? No, the two coexist. The customer ultimately ends up on a digital platform um, for conversion if they're not ending up in a store, you know, but there's still that when, when a campaign is well put together, all of these elements really coexist and leverage off each other. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think that is the way of the future. And that's where most brands are going to your point, especially we've seen in 2020 with COVID just kind of accelerating the digital kind of experience for all brands who's now have to have online stores. Otherwise, a lot of the consumers would never actually go into a store at this point. Indeed. And yeah. So it's really been a game changer in my mind for the rest of the world. Mm. So before you tried influencer marketing, Hazel, be incredibly honest with us. Did you actually think it worked? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, Anne, I, I, I wasn't a firm believer of influencer marketing up until I decided to try it this year. And the only reason why I actually believed it worked is because of a case study. Um, and, 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 I, and I'll gladly say the brand um, because I think um, a lot of us do look up to that brand and they are part of our overall ecosystem. I'm quite close to their marketing team. But Capitech um, ran a campaign, as it, I think, Q4 2019 into Q1 2020. And it was such a believable campaign. One could easily miss the influences behind the campaign that's how authentic it was um it, that, that's how authentic it came across in the online space so that converted me and made me want to dabble in the space of influencer in influencer marketing and test it out and i must say um within three months of having been exposed to the capital campaign we tried it out and like i said before the results were extremely promising um, and positive. Therefore, that for me was the turning point as far as influencer marketing is concerned. And I think, you know, when you look at it from a celebrity influencer perspective, the macro influencers versus your micro and nano influencers, it takes very, it, it's very two, I mean, a brand is taking two very different parts, depending on which route one takes. Um, because I find that the micro and nano whom I've used are very well received and are perceived to be a lot more authentic by our online consumers. So um, my perception of macro influencers 
may not necessarily be where it could be. I haven't tried them out. Am I going to try macro influencers? I don't know. Um, I, I just, it, maybe not for my consumers and maybe not now. I find that they work very well for lifestyle brands where it's an absolutely, it's this aspirational campaign at play. You know, someone's walking onto a private jet, they're holding a 50,000 rand handbag. It's purely aspirational. I'm trying to sell a commodity. I'm trying to sell data. I'm trying to sell devices. I'm trying to sell routers. Um, do I need a macro influencer to sell a router? Probably not. I love that. Can you tell us more maybe about that Capite campaign that converted you? Because it sounds absolutely wonderful. I think people, if I, what I remember of it is that people were posting their black cards. It was a black card campaign and it seemed to have started very organically. It appeared to have started organically, but as you unpack it from a marketing lens, you then realize it was all obviously, um, it was all planted and these were influencers at play, but it was the black card campaign. And if you Google it, I'm sure you will find that Fluential um, uh, was actually behind it, in fact. I actually do remember that campaign and it did actually... Um, yield very good results because, to your point, it was so authentic. Mm. And that leads me to my next question for you is when you are utilizing micro or nano influences, I suppose more so nano influences, and for them to be that authentic, is it important that they are already brand fans or consumers of your brand? So are they salsi customers? Oh, yes, absolutely. So, you know, um, the influencers that we use have got to be brand ambassadors in their own right. They need to have tried and tested our products. They need to be users of our products. So when I look at my influencer selection process, I always make sure that the influencers we use are influencers who are already on South Sea, not converting to South Sea for the sake of the campaign, but are already advocates of South Sea in their own right and believe in my brand. That's a very important part of my selection. I think that is incredibly important for anyone doing nano campaigns that if they're not brand fans, that authenticity and that believability and credibility, mm. one can say, just completely falls away. Definitely. So Hazel, do you think it is super important to have a good agency partner that understands influencer marketing, that has those relationships already with those influencers to implement that successful, impactful and effective campaigns for you? Definitely. And I think it's important to have a good um, influencer agency partner, but also a creative agency that understands the power of influencer marketing because the two will have to work together because often you've got your retainer um, creative agency, your above the line agency that you use or your digital agency and the two will have to work together quite closely in order for one to achieve the necessary. So it's extremely important that they understand your brand objectives and what that North Star is and what we're trying to achieve and together help you to craft what that strategy is going to look like. So from what I've picked up from our whole conversation is that you are a huge fan of collaboration. And I honestly think that is the way that all agencies and the industry and the whole digital landscape is going, where your traditional tactics are playing with your digital tactics, your all your agency partners, especially for a big brand, we always know there's quite a few, they have to integrate to kind of be team players, understand your brand holistically and understand each other to make things work really well. 
Definitely. I mean, your digital, sorry, your media, your media agency plays a critical role in that as well, uh, because they're mostly accountable for the measurement of the campaign. So all of those partners have got to come together. I mean, there are definitely some key learnings as far as influencer marketing is concerned um, that I've acquired um, over the last few months. Amazing. So, Hazel, what do you think or what do you wish, rather, you knew about influence marketing before you tried and tested your first campaign for someone else that can learn from you and your mistakes or your learnings before they start on their first journey? I think one of the key things that I've realized as I've embarked on this, as I've, you know, kind of from the time I embarked on the journey and continued on it, is that influencer selection is extremely important. Um, Understanding each influencer's X factor, um, what are they actually famous for? Why does their community follow them? And why do they respond to their posts? Um, Because this will help you as a marketer to leverage each influencer at an individual level in order for you to achieve your brand objectives. So each one's narrative will be very unique to them and their community, yet still very aligned to the core brand message. So it should not look like a cut and paste post across 30 influencers that just removes the credibility from that campaign completely. So leverage each influencer's X factor and understand what that is. I love that because it's so true what you're saying. It's not like it's an ad campaign where you see the same message over and over and over in different formats. It's literally one key message that someone has interpreted in their own right for their own audiences. Indeed. Mm. So do you then believe that when you are working with influencers, is it important to give them some form of mostly creative freedom? Yes, they must have enough creative freedom, but within confines. So you provide the guardrails. And I believe that with a firm strategy in place and a plan that's well articulated and a brief that is well understood by the influencers in a language that resonates with those influencers, they're able to have that creative freedom, but without overriding the the guardrails that you've actually set for them. So that, that is quite key. It's important. Otherwise, if they start to sound like a, an extension of your, your, your call to action, your normal narrative, it then loses credibility. They need to be very authentic. I mean, the same way that I talked about that Capitec campaign where it must feel organic. It must feel um, very, very natural. It should not feel like a planted, branded ad that happens to be amplified by an influencer no absolutely and i think that is the magic of influencer marketing that's why we use them as as a channel right Mm. for their voices yes um, to to their well their audiences that absolutely love them yes definitely hazel we're actually coming to the end of our chat and it was really interesting looking at how salsi has embraced influencer marketing and hopefully we see some amazing things coming in the next year as well as the world shifts we don't know what that looks like yet <laughs> but yeah. um, but we're looking forward to it i think it's going to be an interesting 2021 as everyone adapts and grows and yes and i think you know we we're now used to the fact that change is in fact inevitable and I think we've got a little bit more confidence and comfort to know that we are able to adapt. I mean March was quite a game changer 
for both consumers and brands um, in South Africa and, of course, globally as well, where COVID-19 hit them a little earlier than it hit us. But we are still standing, you know, as a nation, a bit bruised and battered, but we've, we've made it this far. And we will continue to persevere through 2021 and whatever it throws at us. No, absolutely. And to your point, I think everyone is more resilient than what we thought we, we ever were. So that's good. Mm, definitely. As a, as a, where can listeners connect with you online if they want to find out more about you and about the great work you're doing at Celsi? I'm most active on LinkedIn. If you look up Hazel Chimandamba, I tend to pop up pretty quickly. And um, I'm always open to having new connections on LinkedIn. So please do reach out to me and let's engage. Lots of learnings along the way and lots to um, exchange from a business perspective. So I also look forward to engaging and just learning more from other parties and understanding what they've done within their space and what's worked, what hasn't, and the nuances that exist beyond our borders as well. I think you and I are connected on LinkedIn, and it's always very interesting to see your articles and your thoughts come up. So thank you for that. I'm learning from you too. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you, Anne, and thank you for hosting me. It's been an incredible chat. It's a huge pleasure, but have a fantastic week and hopefully you take some rest this December and we'll be back with a bang next year. Thank you very much. Take care. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Hazel. Thank you.